Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. We have some interesting news today, so Sean, take it away. Today, we'll discuss more positive developments in the field of post-field ablation, a new strategic move from Henry Schein, another cyber attack in medtech, a legal settlement over False Claims Act allegations, and a recall of certain bronchoscopes that could catch fire. So let's start with post-field ablation. That seems like a topic that we've talked about a lot the last few weeks. Definitely. Pulse Biosciences has announced the first human use of its post-field ablation catheter. It's more, as we said, more pulse field ablation news, and this time it's more progress for pulse. What is this catheter, and how does it work? It's the Cell FX NSPFA cardiac catheter, and it was designed to produce non-thermal ablation, targeting pulmonary vein isolation with proprietary energy to treat AFib. Pulse said it designed the catheter to deliver a fast transmural and fully circumferential ablation in a single energy delivery, and it features 3D mapping and navigation for comprehensive visualization and precise ablation from a partnership with Cardio NXT and its mapping technology. So tell us about the first procedures. So the first five procedures were completed in a first-in-human feasibility study, treating physicians successfully discharged all patients, and they'll continue to be monitored and evaluated over the coming months to assess safety and effectiveness, while Pulse Biosciences plans to evaluate the primary safety endpoint at 30 days. What did the performing doctors think about using this device? Dr. Vivek Reddy of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York said the results were consistent with their preclinical experience and, importantly, the speed and ease with which they were able to isolate the pulmonary veins with the Pulse Biosciences catheter was impressive, and all patients tolerated the procedure well. And he said that they look forward to completing enrollment in the study to fully assess the safety and durability of this treatment. What's the next thing that we should know? Henry Schein entered the orthopedic extremities market with an acquisition of a majority interest in TriMed. This is an interesting play from Henry Schein, and it's clearly got high hopes with two strategic moves made in this market as it also entered into a strategic relationship with Extremity Medical. So I know you said orthopedic extremities, but what all does TriMed do? The company develops orthopedic solutions for the foot and ankle, as well as the hand and wrist markets. And according to Henry Schein, brought in sales of about $48 million in 2022. And how does this deal help Henry Schein? Well, Stanley Bergman, the chair and CEO of Henry Schein, said it will provide the company with a platform to establish itself as a leading manufacturer and supplier in the foot and ankle, as well as hand and wrist extremity segments of the orthopedic market. So the company believes that with this acquisition, it can clearly gain a foothold in what I'd imagine is already a pretty crowded market, but certainly they believe they can penetrate it. It seems like Henry Schein has had a pretty big year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Busy, busy year. The company purchased a majority stake in Unitas PPO Solutions in January on dental practices that assess their commercial insurance participation. Then in April, it bought a majority stake in France-based Biotech Dental, a provider of dental implants. Just a month later, it announced plans to acquire dental implant manufacturer SIN Implant System. And in October, it made another majority interest acquisition of Shield Healthcare. So a lot of these have centered around its dental business, and obviously this is a, a massive departure from that. But as well as all the good news, there was well, there was some bad with cybersecurity breaches a couple months ago as well that the company's been dealing with. So 
it's definitely been a busy up and down year for Henry Schein. What's the next thing that we should know? Well, speaking of cybersecurity breaches, Zoll Medical has disclosed an email phishing attack and a potential data breach. We've seen a couple of recent examples, looking right at Henry Schein, of cybersecurity issues in medtech, and here's another. What could have been the cause of this attack? Well, it was seen as a sophisticated email phishing attack that targeted a Zoll employee. The company said the incident was limited to emails and had no impact on Zoll's medical devices, software, or services. And the PHI affected by the incident varied by individual and may have included some individual's names, addresses, social security numbers, and protected health information and or health insurance information. Has the company provided any details about whether the information has been misused? Zoll said it has no indication that the information has been misused, but that it will notify any affected individuals by mail and offer free credit monitoring and identity theft protection services. Isn't this the second time this has happened to the company? Yeah. In January, Zoll disclosed a cyber attack that potentially exposed protected health information and other personal information for more than a million people. At the time, the company said it would enhance its data security practices and now faces litigation from patients that were affected by that data breach. What's the next thing that we need to know? Next thing is that Philips Biotelemetry subsidiary is set to pay $14.7 million to settle false claims violation allegations. Philips acquired this company for $2.8 billion a couple years ago, but we hadn't heard much about the company, about what the company was up to until this news came out. So what exactly did it settle? So Biotelemetry subsidiary LifeWatch settled allegations of knowingly submitting claims to federal healthcare programs for a higher level of remote cardiac monitoring than physicians intended to order or that was medically necessary. And this inflated the level of reimbursement paid to the LifeWatch subsidiary, according to the DOJ. And what did those allegations center around? So DOJ's allegations centered around the period between 2014 and 2020 and the LifeWatch ACT3L device. It said LifeWatch marketed the device to doctors as capable of performing three different types of heart monitoring services, uh, Holter monitoring, event monitoring, and telemetry. Of these, telemetry provided the highest rate of reimbursement, and the government says that LifeWatch knew the design of their online enrollment portal for the device caused unwitting clinical staff to select options that would enroll the patient in the most expensive service, which was telemetry, even when the doctor intended to order a less expensive service. What else did the DOJ contend? So DOJ also contended that sales personnel at the company instructed clinical staff to select options resulting in telemetry service enrollment. The allegations say that this occurred when sales personnel knew that physicians intended to order less costly services. According to DOJ, LifeWatch also disregarded written notes reflecting physicians' intent to order services other than telemetry. And what's the last story that we have for today? Last story is that the Olympus bronchoscopes in a class one recall could lead to burns and fire. So fortunately, no deaths have been reported relating to this issue, but still a very serious problem. What devices are affected and how many of those devices are included? So this recall, which is a correction, not a product removal, applies to Olympus bronchofiberscopes and bronchovideoscopes. The company distributed these affected devices between January 2001 and September of this year before initiating the recall on October 12th. In total, it affects 17,691 devices in the U.S., and the company reports 192 complaints related to the issue, including four injuries, but as I mentioned before, no deaths.
what is the reason for this recall and what could happen with continued use? Infected scopes have a risk of combustion if the high-frequency cauterization is performed while supplying oxygen or if the electrode section of an electrosurgical accessory is too close to the end of the endoscope. So using these affected scopes could cause serious health consequences, including critical burns in a person's airways or lungs. And it could also lead to airway bleeding, trouble breathing, apnea, loss of consciousness, or death. Combustion can damage or break parts of the device as well that may injure or unintentionally remain in a patient and require retrieval or surgical removal. And what is the company recommending? Olympus says customers should review the warning section of the device's operations manual and stop performing high-frequency while supplying oxygen. They should also keep electrosurgical devices used with the endoscope far enough away from the endoscope so as to avoid any of these issues from arising. And that marked the fifth story for today's podcast. So thank you, Sean, for bringing us all the news today. My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. Where can they find you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.